welcome back to Steampunk Coffee Behind the Beans. My name is Kath, and I'm the founder of Steampunk. Last week, I had a really interesting chat with our roasting team, Rachel and Ludvika, but there was so much to cover, we thought we'd better split it between two episodes. So let's get back into it and chat some more with the brains and the brawn behind our coffee roasting. Yeah, and part of your jobs is to obviously to get the samples in and try them and select the coffees, but also managing, and this year maybe it's been more challenging than ever before, uh, managing contracting coffee in time, you know, because you're working months ahead of when the coffee's actually going to get roasted and mm-hmm. um, you have to try to anticipate volumes. That's been really challenging this year, yeah, yeah, because we have, for instance, we have no idea how the holiday season is going to go. You know, we don't know whether the numbers are going to be, you know, three times or five times Mm -hmm. or just like not at all. Who knows? uh, Yeah, for you out there who are not roasters, the the thing with coffee is it's it's like a a food product, so it just gets old. Mm -hmm. That's why this is uh, such an issue to buy like just enough coffee that we're going to use within the next three, four months. Because uh, you might be thinking, oh, well, if you buy more coffee, it's going to last you for longer. But it's unfortunately, I think that's one of the biggest mm-hmm. challenge of our job, too, is to make sure that we have it on one hand, that we never run out of coffee. So you yeah. need to like contract it early enough to make sure that you're not going to wake up one morning and have no coffee yeah. mm-hmm. through us. But on the other hand, you can't buy too much because it's just going to go old and that's when it loses. Like It would probably take a really, really long time for it to be undrinkable, but it definitely, after a few months from from it being harvested up to a year, it really loses its characteristics and and becomes flatter and less Mm -hmm. interesting, so. Mm -hmm. And uh, coffee is seasonal, so different countries' harvests are at different times Mm -hmm. of the year. Mm -hmm. So if you're not, if you're not on the ball and selecting, say, an Ethiopian coffee when those lots are landing, Mm then all the good ones get bought and then you're stuck with all the ones that nobody else wanted Mm -hmm. and you know we we try to really showcase lots of different coffee producing countries Mm -hmm. and um if you miss the harvest you can't really Mm -hmm. do that well yeah so you sort of have to know what's going on exactly yeah just be be on top of it Mm -hmm. um that actually uh brings me to something I wanted to talk to you guys a little bit about, which is flavor. Um, Rachel, you're running our first virtual cupping. I'm so excited. (laughs) On Sunday. So a bunch of people signed up for this, and Rachel's going to lead a cupping by Zoom. Mm -hmm. Um, But there's been a lot of interest, so I think we're going to be organizing another one in future. So if you've missed out on on this one, don't worry. Uh, If you follow us on Instagram, you'll hear when we're next kind of uh, running the, the next one. Um, but flavor is such a subjective thing. Um, you know, has, has, your, has your kind of ideas about flavor, your preferences of flavors, have those changed over the time that you've been working with coffee? Or do you have a, a preference for a kind of flavor profile? Ludwig, I want to hear your answer. Do you want to hear my answer? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. So I think they, like, they definitely do change. Your preferences definitely do change. But I think... I was thinking on that subject, and I think it's, the thing is that people, as much as people say they want to try new things and they like adventures and new things, like like deep inside we like comfort. 
So the flavors that we are used to and we find comfortable, they're the ones that, especially in something like as simple as having a cup of coffee every morning. I think at the beginning, like when you're starting a journey with specialty coffee, it's already quite different because it's it, it's roast much lighter, so it have more acidity than than the coffee you're used to before drinking specialty coffee, and it tastes. So I think at the beginning, everyone who I've met, I actually can't think of exceptions, it, it tend to prefer Brazilians and and like those chocolatey, nutty, easy drinking coffee. Then you definitely, most of the people who I've met, and I did personally, goes through a phase of discovering Ethiopian coffees. Mm -hmm. And you go, wow, how can <laughs> coffee taste like that? It mm -hmm. has flowers, it has fruit, it has everything and stuff. Especially I'm talking about like mainly uh, natural Ethiopians, uh, which at the very, very big beginning, most of the people say they don't like because it's just... To different from different from what they, what they are used to tasting mm -hmm. coffee. So if someone is completely new to specialty, they they usually find Ethiopian strange and they don't like it. Then you go through a phase of, wow, natural Ethiopians, and then I think the more you 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 I guess it's developing your your palate. You start appreciating uh, more of uh, coffees that have. A subtle complexity, I would say. So the difference between—I don't know if I'm get, if I'm mm -hmm. getting too geeky here. Yeah. I think the the difference between like natural Ethiopian, for example, is that it does have very unusual for regular coffee drinker flavors, but they are there. There you can't miss them. They punch you in the face, mm -hmm. <laughs> basically. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they punch you in the face uh, at the beginning. Trying them, you you want you want more of it. But then the coffee's like. I'm still not going to like Colombians, uh, Rachel. <laughs> <laughs> one day, one day I'll turn no, you. No, <laughs> but having said that, having said that, I, I, I remember having, uh, uh, not wanting to have anything to do with Guatemalans, uh, at the, uh, like maybe even like six months ago. And you have convinced me, you have, like, I have trained my palate and I have, and also we got absolutely amazing Guatemalan last year the San Antonio was I think one of my favorite coffees I had so far in my life and it was from Guatemala I think yeah I think with palate people ask me I think Toby asked me a few days ago though I think it's like a talent you're born with that you taste better or you taste worse I really don't think that's what it is I think it's it's, it's training your palate it's like getting used to being able to taste the, the more more subtle and delicate flavors in the coffee. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Cupping I, is my favorite part of my job. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this is why I'm a roaster. Yeah. I love tasting coffee. Absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> I just love it. It's just, it's so good. <laughs> and and do, but do you think, okay, here's a question for you. I, I sometimes wonder about like the power of suggestion. Oh, when yeah, you definitely. See cupping yeah. notes that say, so, for example, like Rio's coffee that yeah. he sent us, and it, it says on it plums and grapefruit. And when I was drinking the coffee, I was like, this is totally plums and grapefruit, mm -hmm. you know? But I don't know if I would have been able to put those names on it. Mm -hmm. myself. I like to think I would have now after, you know, many years of cupping many coffees. But mm -hmm. um, I wonder sometimes how much there is yeah. that kind of... I, it doesn't really matter. No, in my opinion, I feel, I mean, here, we're going to get in the cupping notes question. <laughs> but I really do feel like if a coffee tastes good and you're enjoying it, 
then just enjoy it. Yeah. Like, don't worry whether it's yeah. plum or, you know, pear. Um, how about your personal favorites? Do you have a personal favorite brewing method, Lipika? A brewing method? Yeah, like how do you make coffee at home? So at home I, I do definitely go for Kalita, like if I'm every morning, because I do, I, I know that sounds crazy, but I do brew a coffee before I come into to my work. Oh my God, who doesn't? <laughs> I don't. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I know, I'm do, do you brew coffee at home? Yes. Yeah, I do brew coffee. does too. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Yeah, so, so I, I just I wait. I need a coffee in the morning. <laughs> I, I wait until nice somebody plans. makes one for me. And sometimes they're like, I want water. I'm like, guys, I'm going to work. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe tomorrow. They're like, I'm thirsty now. I'm losing leaves here. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear! Do you know what I do before I come into work? Uh, what? Yeah, I know. This is my guilty secret. You know what I do? No, you're one of those. No, I drink tea. You drink tea. I know. And you're one of those gross people who eat breakfast in bed. Like, I have the breakfast. Jam yeah. on your pillow. Oh. Crumbs. Yeah, crumbs in my bed. Massive big pot of tea. That while I post great, my actually. stories about walking on the beach. <laughs> <laughs> You all know it. <laughs> right, brewing so, method. Yeah, brewing method. How do you brew your coffee so, at home? So, <laughs> uh, Chemex for Sundays. Because <laughs> nice. Chemex definitely... That's your special, your special uh, yeah, coffee. Yeah, I do love Chemex. It does make your coffee taste much more delicate. So it takes away lots of the body, but it, it like highlights the most delicate flavors you might not get in different methods. Uh, because of its wooden parts, it takes ages to clean. <laughs> so I'm not, I can't be using it every day. Yeah. Because, uh, no. Uh, Kalita is the easy one. Uh, like, once you... Like, people might be like, what's easy about it? When you watch YouTube videos, it looks quite complicated. But once you learn how to do it, it really, really is the least challenging, I would say, from the method that I find acceptable to drink from. <laughs> uh, I do like v V60. V60 looks quite similar to Kalita, but I found that it's exactly more challenging. It can give you more amazing flavors than Kalita would, but it can also go wrong if you don't focus enough. So yeah, I think Kalita is easy breezy. Mm -hmm. press, I don't I just, I've, no, sorry. I've burned myself so many times, oh, it, no. it went wrong, it just exploded oh, on me, no. and the, the, the mess on the floor. <laughs> I do take it though, anytime, anytime I'm ever traveling, like I'm not gonna drink your coffee, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> like um, if you have good coffee, then yes, but I'm, I, I can't just go somewhere for a week yeah. and, and just go with it and drink whatever they have. That's so when you know you've can been you? turned into a specialty coffee geek, when How you take your own coffee. Really? You oh, that yeah. I'm Rachel, really can, you, uh, can you slum it with coffee? Do you, no, do you ever I'll, drink tea. I'll drink tea. No. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Me too. No. Like if I'm in the airport and I, there's just chains, I'll drink yeah, tea. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, Aeropress I would take traveling. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. it's easy plastic and uh, so light doesn't break and stuff. Yeah. But be careful. And what about I coffee? Like, like what, about, what do you have a favorite coffee or is that an impossible question? Favorite coffee. Definitely impossible question. No. Yeah. I think <laughs> it would like, it, w it would, yeah. 
I don't Does it depend you, you on your mood, say that. or is it just like coffees over time that you? I think it depends. I, I, I don't know if I would say mood. It depends on what what you were what I have been drinking recently. So if mm-hmm. I get a 250 grams of Ethiopia, mm-hmm. and it can be naturally, it can be amazing and stuff. Like toward the end of that bag, I really need a break from it. Mm. Even probably halfway through that bag, I need a break from it. So I guess I I, I definitely wouldn't. I did have. I think the only time in my life that I did thought I have a fa- favorite region for some reason was Burundi. I haven't had mm. their coffee in a while, so I'm it starts slipping away why <laughs> I thought it's the best mm. or we have some Burundi samples but, on the way but, actually oh, that, that would yeah be awesome. we do I'm yeah. excited to taste yeah. I think I had the thought back then in my head that it's, it was like a perfect marriage between Ethiopian and Kenyan that it did have like the <laughs> floral notes and, and, and the fruity you're laughing at me I'm, I'm going no, too I'm much into detail I'm just thinking the people of Burundi are all like holding their heads <laughs> in their hands <laughs> You're doing what? I'm just thinking the peop- that people in Burundi hearing that would be like. I bet this is going to be a hit in Burundi. Yeah, I generally think that. So yeah. it have like yeah. the Kenyan elegance and uh, and it's and it's more like clean and clear and and stuff, but at the same time it ha- which would be my Kenyan. Uh, what I imagine, what I think when I'm thinking of Kenyan, mm-hmm. but then it have. That, that Ethiopian coffee's quality, which is like this floral, fruity and stuff, mm-hmm. but it doesn't have too much of it. Mm-hmm. it yeah. It's not mm-hmm. the, the, the level that punches Ethiopia you in the face. Light. It's more like, it's, <laughs> it's like, a, a, honestly, like I, I, I did have a moment when I was like Burundi. And I guess if I was to name another region would be Costa Ricans mm-hmm. are very unusual, I would say. Uh, mm-hmm. the, I did went through a phase when I was like all about Costa Rican because mm-hmm. you can't really... Mm, Mm, it's compare unique. them to any other. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, it is. For sure. <laughs> oh, you're not resting yeah, no, anymore today. I know, when we hear <laughs> weird noises in this building, we always worry that it's the Yeah, tell the me, like right now when you guys close at two and everyone goes home, yeah. you really should stay here for four hours on your own. <laughs> yeah, there's some weird thumps There is upstairs. some weird noises yeah. in this building, yeah. Yeah, there probably is. From that time, you know, when, you. do you remember when there was the rumor circulating that there's at a ghost. Steampunk? No, that this used to be a mortuary. Oh. <laughs> do you remember? I think Scott <laughs> said that for a joke. Is that why we had the crows? Oh, my God. Oh, one of those classic steampunk oh rumors. <laughs> this place was never a mortuary, folks. Classic <laughs> mortuary. Yeah, it was a joinery, and um, the... The story is that they made a lot of the uh, coffins that are now located in the churchyard opposite. Um, that's oh, the link. Of. But we never had the actual bodies in we this building. They, they didn't like like just have piles fit of them coffins. to size. Yeah. They didn't like maybe <laughs> <laughs> made to measure. Exactly. I don't know. <laughs> but What's it's amazing how origin? rumors Did you I don't have a favorite origin. No, I'm just yeah. a, I'm just a glutton. I just love tasting them all. <laughs> just as yeah. long as I put two spoons of sugar and milk, I really like <laughs> Can I swear? Yeah. <laughs> Can I swear? <laughs> no milk, no sugar. So, okay, actually, do you know what, guys? This brings me to uh, my last question, um, which I think is a super interesting one, and it's one that we actually all have a lot of conversations about all the time, and it's kind of about accessibility uh, in specialty coffee. So that sort of comment about milk and sugar, you know, I think uh, 
for a wee period of time there, specialty coffee had a real reputation about being really kind of exclusive and snooty and, you know, the, the trope of the barista who would like, you know, refuse to serve you if you were going to put milk in your coffee mm -hmm. or something like that. Yeah, this is my moment to reveal my secret, secret shame. Oh, okay. I do drink milk I'm in just my revealed. <laughs> I guess First, you did get a little joking. spoiler alert. From <laughs> you said sugar. That's just wrong. <laughs> I like milk in my filter coffee. Yeah. And I've always thought, drink your coffee how you want it. Yeah. Like, there's, put sugar in it if you want. Put vanilla syrup in it if you want. No, no, please don't. But, <laughs> but you shouldn't have to put sugar in the coffee. You shouldn't have to put anything to sweeten it because it should be sweet already. Mm -hmm. But I'm not... I, I, I don't know. I think people should drink things that taste good. And I think too often in specialty coffee, trendiness is, is a stand-in for actual, like, enjoyment, mm -hmm. you know? And it's just not, that's just, that just is a shame, mm -hmm. you know? If you're going to drink something, you should enjoy it, and mm -hmm. not just because it's cool to enjoy, mm -hmm. you know? Not just because it's cool to, to have. Um, like, if you don't actually like flat whites, don't order a flat white. Mm -hmm. Get an espresso. Yeah, I agree with you. I don't think people should be judged if they want to put milk in their coffee or even, you know, sugar in I'm their coffee. I'm going to defend the industry a little bit, <laughs> this side of the industry. Uh, I absolutely don't think you should be judged whatever you're putting in your own coffee. Uh, I do think where it came, I think the, like with many things in life, I think the idea behind it was really good. So the idea was that because now it's specialty coffee, throws is much lighter usually in most of the cases milk really does not complement that coffee especially if, if the coffee shop choose to brew it as a filter I think the idea when you know when the coffee shop start like hiding milk and sugar or like making behind the bar so you have to like do your walk of shame to ask for it and stuff and 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 stuff I think the idea behind it was that they wanted to to make sure that people try that coffee first as they thought is the best, and it probably is, to be honest, like to, to drink that filter, if it's, for example, Ethiopian, the filter, it probably tastes better without milk. And it's kind of the idea behind it was like you wouldn't add Coke to really expensive wine. You know how some people drink red wine with co with I have cola. never heard you of that. You haven't heard of that? No. I've never heard of that either. Never really? Or maybe that. it's a Polish thing, though, right? <laughs> That's really When I, I saw that first, I was shocked. But yeah, I was like, what? But I think the idea is like, if you drink really cheap red wine, and it's on, on bearable on its own, then you add a little bit of coke, wow. it makes it sweet. And it makes less intense, I guess. Uh -huh. I guess, I think that's what it is. Okay, it must be like my part of the world thing. <laughs> but I'm sure you guys have your own. So yeah, well, whiskey and coke, that's another example. Yeah. Yes, you've heard about whiskey and coke. Mm -hmm. So the idea, I think, is that because people were used to really bad coffee, it's the same like with a really bad wine or really bad whiskey, mm -hmm. that you automatically adding this coke to that whiskey or mm -hmm. whatever to make it palatable. And I think that those coffee shops have done that, which I'm not excusing being rude and being like, obviously I agree with you, Kat, that it doesn't help because it can put mm. off people from even trying. Mm -hmm. I think what they were thinking is that they're gonna force you to try it in, uh, in the most beautiful version of it rather than spoil it with milk. I'm still working on wrapping my head around the big ideas 
and understanding how to function in an ethical way in this industry. And I don't know what uh, I don't know what that looks like. Mm -hmm. I know that there are big, big problems, and that um, there are things that we all need to be thinking about. But I don't know. Um, I don't know what that looks like in the future. Mm -hmm. Climate change. Mm -hmm. You know, if 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 things don't turn around, then there's not going to be any coffee to roast. Mm -hmm. People being paid fairly. Mm -hmm. If things don't turn around, then the next generation of coffee farmers are going to decide that it's they're better off working in the cities, and you know, like so many coffee farmers have mm -hmm. um, in the past. You know, there's just not. It's just not going to make sense for people to to farm coffee anymore. I've been thinking about it for the last few weeks and I keep thinking about it every single day and I know everyone is now that it's locked down and you have time to watch all those documentaries about your chocolate being traded unfairly and about your avocados and about your coffee and stuff. I really think it's it, it really is a time for it to stop to be just talking and for people to stop, just watch documentaries and go, mm. oh, what can I do? I think the, the 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 huge difference between the, the level of the lives we have and this part of the chain of coffee. I think it's just working in a coffee. The more you learn about it, the more you feel like really connected with that other side of the world that on everyday lives we all tend to just, just like don't think about it. Where our t-shirts comes from and where our chocolate comes from and where our coffee comes from. I think that's completely unacceptable in 21st century for people on the other end to struggle with like survival, having money for food and, and shelter and sending their kids to school. Mm -hmm. While on this end, we're doing well and we're still complaining about paying for coffee more than two pounds because like, w sorry, I, I think I'm rambling here. I think what I'm trying to say is, it's just not enough to like watch those documentaries and go, oh, well, that really sucks, but what can I do? Mm -hmm. The thing mm -hmm. is you actually can do something. Mm -hmm. You have to stop complaining about or expecting. We are, we, we are expecting in those days, everything to be higher quality, but cheaper and faster. Mm -hmm. And the only way for people who provide us with those, like chocolate, clothes, coffee, any of those things, is to get it still high quality and to get, get it fast, but to get it cheaper. Unfortunately, the only way to get it is to take money from the labor on the other end. Mm -hmm. Can I say the word exploitation? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. That's, like, that's absolutely. what we're talking about. You yeah. can expect the higher quality. Yeah. The labor needs to go into it. The, the machinery is going to still cost the same. Mm -hmm. the, the product itself, whatever it is, cotton or is it coffee, it's, it's going to cost the same. So the only way, if you as a customer keep demanding on it being cheaper and cheaper and cheaper and cheaper and cheaper, the only way for the people who provide you with those, like, I know it's really simplified, but I actually want to make it simple because it, the more simple you make it, the, the more there is a chance 
we're going to get it as a society. The more you expect and create the market for it to be cheaper, the more you actually voting on those on those at uh, the uh, the labor basically labor mm -hmm. being exploited, and those are the people who have no choice and mm -hmm. they actually cannot stand up to it because they're buying food and shelter mm -hmm. depends on it. Yeah. So and and if, can I can yeah. I just add like that's at every in on every aspect because in the hospitality industry in this country you know there's a lot of exploitation absolutely uh, you know the, yeah. the wages are very low yeah. in hospitality yeah. um and you know people will complain about the wages yeah. and yeah. and and you'll say well you know are you going to pay six pounds for a cup of yeah. coffee yeah. because that's what people yeah. need to pay like if everybody's going to be paid yeah. like good wages you but know? the thing is like there's lots of you who also justify uh, like wanting everything to be under two pounds buying three pounds t-shirts and and complaining that they're not 250 it's like oh i don't have time to do research about those companies and stuff what i uh, the message i want to kind of like send out there is it doesn't you don't have to be research my my nick who like research every company they buy from if you pay three pounds for your t-shirt or one pound for your coffee you, like there isn't any mystery behind it how much the person who actually grew that coffee or saw that t-shirt or how much they got paid for it mm -hmm. they got paid like two maybe three pence for it mm -hmm. yeah. for you to get the cup of coffee for under one pound so i guess yeah that, i think that's that would be my biggest like i i just can't accept that i can't accept that and i think we are we, we tend to like detach ourselves from it as a like a first first world country and go oh what can i do about it like i'm, I'm uh, you actually can do something about it you cannot make it worse by constantly demanding better and better quality being cheaper and cheaper because mm -hmm. the only mm -hmm. way as i said the only way to save on that whole chain is to pay people less for for what they do Rather than, I, I, I feel like there is, I don't know what happened, but we we became this society that take pride in like finding things cheaper mm -hmm. and making sure it's even cheaper and making sure it's even faster. And, and over consuming and, and, and yeah, wasting. I was watching this like comedian side. the other day and I, I don't think he was actually joking. He said, when did we become uh, this society that Amazon had to create uh, a, a click, one click? Uh, buying with just one click <laughs> that you don't have to go to the and he's like when did we became those people who are like oh no if it takes two clicks then I'm out <laughs> like we expect everything to be just like easier faster cheaper yeah. but still higher quality and it, it needs to stop at some point it needs to stop because we I don't think we realize how much power we have over the other end mm -hmm. so we think like oh if we can get it cheaper then why not but mm -hmm. the, the, we're not asking ourselves question how are we getting it cheaper how well I think that one thing people don't general the general consumer doesn't really understand specifically about coffee is how much labor goes into mm -hmm. it it's how much crazy. actual you know sweat equity yeah. goes into this cup of coffee mm -hmm. that you're holding in your hand you know when it comes to specialty coffee it's grown at altitudes that you can't pick it with machinery mm -hmm. it's hand-picked and then it's processed incredibly carefully and um, painstakingly mm -hmm. at every point in 
the production of coffee, there's a ton of effort put into the quality of it. So even on this end, to be honest, like when yeah. it comes here, mm-hmm. the, the 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 fact that it's specialty coffee, we have to roast small batches and pay the really super extra attention. And so does our baristas because they want to highlight the best in that coffee. They do use recipes and they weigh every shot and they use scales and stuff, which takes a little bit more time. But it's to honor the the work that farmers have put into that coffee mm-hmm. like it, it would mm-hmm. be disgraceful actually not to not to take that time to make but then we constant, constantly have to battle this wave of can I have it faster can I have it cheaper can I have it faster mm-hmm. I think it, it's it's a whole like mindset that is that not a, is that not our our consumerist mindset though that we have we have been pushed into over the last oh, of 40, course. 50 I don't years. think it's a human you know, nature. Consumerism has kind of. Yeah. I absolutely yeah, don't think it's a human nature. That's not no. what I'm saying. I'm saying no, someone have tricked us into this, mm-hmm. and it's like keep pushing us into into expecting it to be faster, quicker, faster, and cheaper, and it's just it needs it's to like stop. we're on a never-ending quest yeah. for more. Yeah. You know, and and a constant like I don't know about you, but. I'm constantly like exhausted and you know if presented with too many choices like I just freeze I just completely like <laughs> you know mm. get that choice paralysis thing um, and actually weirdly you know the, this year with coronavirus and lockdown and stuff there was like this pause where mm-hmm. you could suddenly think about things and I, I definitely have had a lot of conversations with people and I've, I've seen a lot and I think a lot of a lot of movements for change that have been coming about are mm-hmm. also, you know, have have maybe come forward faster because more people have had time to actually stop and think for a second, mm-hmm. you know, rather than being constantly like exhausted, you know, with work. And though I don't, I don't know, maybe that's not. Yeah. Well, I think <laughs> though too, one of the ways that I, I think that it, we're maybe. I think one of the things that we can do as a coffee company is to offer fewer choices, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And to to make a point of working more directly with fewer different growers. Mm-hmm. And what we've done since lockdown was to reduce our offering from, you know, two years ago it was maybe eight coffees and then we reduced it down to six and now it's three. Mm-hmm. And so at any one time, we're buying more of those specific coffees. Hopefully, we're going back to that same farm next year mm-hmm. and buying the same, mm-hmm. you know, and building that relationship so that eventually that farmer will be able to count on us, mm-hmm. you know. And I don't, that's kind of the dream, I guess, mm-hmm. is that um, that's, that's relationship coffee. I mean, and people have been talking about that since I started in the industry. Mm-hmm. Everyone's always talking about relationships and traceability. And, mm-hmm. um, but what does that actually look like and how does that actually help? Big questions. Yeah, I think we, uh, what you, the thing is we exactly need to get our customers on board with that. We would mm-hmm. need the support of our customers to, to, mm-hmm. so that they understand why we're doing that. And that exactly takes this responsible customer who mm-hmm. understand that mm-hmm. you, for example, would contract to get coffee from the same farm over a period next five years mm-hmm. to provide security for that farmer, but then... Yeah, but then on this end, we need to have customers who are not going to get bored with the same coffee and they're not going to go, oh, I didn't want that coffee. Well, ideally, we'll have a group of customers who, (laughs) you know, in 
in January, they're going to be like, oh, I can't wait for the for the Ethiopian to yeah. come this year. But you I, know? Reckon like, <laughs> I reckon we do. I reckon we're so lucky yeah. we have those people because, yeah, yeah no, we have people looking forward to, to Bale coming back. We have people who've been asking about the mm. San Antonio when that's coming back, you know. Mm. So I definitely think that people are finding, they're liking the coffee, they're, they're finding out a lot more about what's involved and... Yeah, but that's exactly the, 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 that, yeah. uh, that understanding it and, and being not being this person who goes and, and try to find it 20 pence cheaper mm-hmm. around the corner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or just the next thing. Yeah. Like, what's the new kind of trendy thing that, that nobody else yeah. has, you know? That too. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think that the demanding everything to be cheaper, that's what really worries me. And by all meaning, it's not like I was always thinking that. It just only recently, the more I think about it, the more I realize that I know there are poor people even in UK and stuff and and can't afford super expensive things, but we all tend to like buy way too many, mm-hmm. way too cheap things. That also goes to your uh, issue with environment because then mm-hmm. it lands in the... There's just really no need for that, honestly. Mm-hmm. Like, there's really no need for that. It'd be better if we can like focus and responsibly spend our money on quality, coffee for example be proud of the fact that we paid a little bit more for it because we know it it, it does go back to the other end too and and just i don't know i'm getting too philosophical about like how you should live your life it was meant to be about I mean, the, the coffee. problem though is that like customers need to trust that we're pricing our coffee appropriately mm-hmm. you know we could be one of like for all anybody knows we could be one of those companies that buys their coffee for cheap and sells it for high you know mm-hmm. yeah. but like we're not we're customers. not yeah, we edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> but like someone who can taste coffee would know because they would be able to taste the quality mm. but like yeah because there's so much greenwashing because there's so much marketing bull in coffee mm-hmm. it's hard to see through it to, to know what's real and what's not mm-hmm. yeah Thank you so much, Rachel and Ludvika, for that really interesting conversation. A big thanks to you also for listening to the end of another episode. I really hope you all enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. Next week, Peter is going to have a chat with Scott and Toby, who are both long-standing and recent members of Team Steam. Get a glimpse behind the scenes of life in the cafe with them. Please remember to reach out to us with any questions and feedback about what topics you want to hear more about. The details of how to get in touch can, as always, be found in the show information. And finally, a big thank you to Cameron for, as always, doing brilliant recording and technical work for us and keeping the podcast sounding real. Thanks, everyone. Have a brilliant week.